today's topic contains graphic content that might not be suitable for all audiences. As well, the pictures posted on our Instagram and Twitter from today's episode are similarly graphic in nature. Discretion is advised. Now please, sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> And welcome to Telegnosis and Tea. I'm your host, Tess. And today, we are going to talk about something that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, but I'm super interested in. And that is spontaneous human combustion, or... Oh, I forgot the acronym. What is it? SHC. SHC is what it's usually referred to. But first, I know you are dying to have an update about uh, Ghost Cat. So I've decided Ghost Cat's name is going to be Felix, because he's a little black and white kitty cat. And, um, I don't have a lot to update. I mean, just the same kind of scritching, scratching on the door. Oh, wait, no, wait. Last time I didn't update on him sleeping in the bed with me. Okay, okay, let me go back. So if you didn't listen to the last episode where I talked about that I have a ghost cat in the house, long and the short of it is I have a ghost cat. And after I filmed that episode, I decided to go and ask my mom, who, um, also could see spirits and stuff. And I went up to her and I was like, Mom... This seems weird, but I think we have a ghost cat. And her reaction was just, yeah, we we have for like a couple of years. You just noticed now. So our ghost cat's name is Felix. Um, I was sleeping one night and I woke up and I don't know how to describe like exactly what it's like to see some ghosts. It's like they're there, but they're not really there, but mostly they're just a bright shining light. So I have this little... Uh, blanket on my bed. It's a fuzzy blanket. It's supposed to be just there for my cat Hetty. But it was like three o'clock in the morning. I looked over and Felix the ghost cat was just sleeping there. Peacefully though. I didn't want to wake him up or disturb him from his slumber. Which is kind of funny because you never really think about ghosts sleeping. But he was just chilling out. So I just rolled over and went back to sleep. And then that was probably like two nights after I recorded the episode talking about the ghost cat. Famously, of course, as you probably know if you're into things like that, um, the more you talk about ghosts and stuff, the more their presence usually is known. So I wasn't surprised to see him, but then after that I really didn't see him, haven't seen him too much. But yeah, that's an update on the ghost cat. Still the only ghost that we have, which is good with me. I am more than happy with that. So that's kind of the only update I got for you right now. Let's get into talking about spontaneous human combustion. And I will talk about this for about 20 minutes, at which point I am going to go and pick up my Chinese food and take a little break, but you won't notice because you're listening to a podcast and it'll be like no time passed at all for you, which is kind of entertaining. I wish that could just, no time could pass and I could just have my Chinese food. But anyway, today we're talking about a phenomenon known as spontaneous human combustion SHC, as I said. So, what is it? Uh, it's a term that's used to describe when a human body, alive or recently deceased, combusts for no apparent reason without an outside source of ignition. Usually, it's believed the fire is started from within the victim, and no external force is found to explain why someone burst into flame. 
The term spontaneous human combustion and the first proposed case came probably from writing published in Philosophical Transactions in 1746 by a man by the name of Paul Rowley, but during research there was many different sources that were cited as being the first writings, the first named case, the first recorded case. Uh, this case seemed to be the most popular and credible, like, first published writing about spontaneous human combustion, and this case seems to be the very first, like, well-documented case of SHC. So that's why I'm going to focus on this one as being the first, but there is other writings out there and supposed cases of spontaneous human combustion. So this report by Paul Rowley was published as a way to try and explain the still mysterious death of Countess Cornelia Zangari Bandy, who had passed away on the 15th of March, 1731. Paul Rowley translated the case from Italian, and which was originally written up by clergyman Giuseppe Bianchini. What he wrote was this, that on that day, Countess Cornelia, who was 66 years of age at the time, was living in the Papal States, which are part of a series of territories that were in the Italian peninsula. Countess Cornelia had had a very normal day until dinner time. At dinner, she was in relatively normal spirits, drinking brandy as she usually did, but she reported feeling dull and heavy. After dinner, the Countess and her maid retired to her bedroom, where they spent the next three hours chatting and praying until the Countess fell asleep and her maid retired to her quarters. In the morning, when Countess Cornelia did not come down for breakfast at the usual time, her maid called up to her. There was no answer, so she went to the Countess's quarters to investigate. And this is what Paul Rowley reported the maid to have found upon entering Countess Cornelia's bedroom. This is a quote from his writing. So, uh, Paul Rowley wrote, quote, Four feet distance from the bed, there was a heap of ashes, two legs untouched from the foot to the knee with their stockings on. Between them was the lady's head, whose brains, half of the back part of the skull, and the whole chin were burnt to ashes, amongst which were found three fingers blackened. All the rest was ashes, which had this peculiar quality that they left in the hand when taken up a greasy and stinky moisture. The air in the room also observed encumbered with soot floating in it. A small oil lamp on the floor was covered with ashes, but no oil in it. Two candles and candlesticks upon a table stood upright. The cotton was left in both, but the tallow was gone and vanished. Somewhat of moisture was about the feet of candlesticks. The bed received no damage. The blankets and sheets were only raised on one side, as when a person rises up from it or goes in. The whole furniture, as well as the bed, was spread over with moist and ash-colored soot, which had penetrated into the chest of drawers, even to foul the linens. Nay, the soot was also gone into a neighboring bread covered with the <laughs> oops, into a neighboring kitchen, I read a little too far ahead, and hung on the walls. Movables aid utensils of it. From the pantry, a piece of bread covered with that soot and brown black was given to several dogs, all of which refused to eat it. In the room above it was moreover taken notice that from the lower part of the windows trickled down a greasy, loathsome, yellowish liqueur and thereabout smelled like a stink without knowing of what and saw the soot fly around. So that is the very old English way of saying basically four feet from the bed. It looked like Countess Cornelia had gotten up sometime in the night, burst into flame, and all that was left was her legs below her knees and her feet with the stockings still on and untouched. Three fingers that were blackened 
but still, you could still tell there are fingers, and a piece of her forehead and skull. Everything else that was Countess Cornelia had burned into ash on a pile, but the room remained generally untouched, not even her bed was burned, but the room was covered in a layer of grease and soot. Also, for some weird reason, next to the, um, next to her bedroom was the kitchen, which also got covered in a layer of grease and soot, and it covered a piece of bread which they tried feeding to the dogs. I'm not sure the reasoning there, but like, understandable the dogs didn't want to eat their previous owner's combusted fat and soot, and I'm not sure whose idea it was. Like, hey, let's grab this nasty piece of bread that is the soaked up remains of the countess and let's see if a dog will eat it. None of the dogs did, so that's interesting. Moving on though, this is the first recorded case of spontaneous human combustion, but note it's recorded. There have been legends of other cases of SHC, including in medieval times, a very famous case. There's said to be a knight that had two glasses of wine with his parents and proceeded to burp fire and was suddenly engulfed in flamed and died. Spontaneous human combustion has been a belief for centuries, appearing in stories and legends around the world. It's debated how hot a body would need to be over what period of time to be reduced to ash in such a way. A lot of sources say for a body to actually be reduced to ash, it has to reach 300, sorry, not 300, 3000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is over 1600 degrees Celsius for up to two hours. Um, when I looked into this, I looked into how crematoriums cremate bodies, and often they heat bodies to about 1800 degrees Fahrenheit, which burns the body, but does not actually reduce the entire body to ash, which I had no idea, and it does not reduce the bones to ash, it does burn them, but like it can't actually disintegrate bone into ash. There's a process that crematoriums go through afterwards where they take like the leftover bone and stuff, and they basically grind it into ash, as opposed to it just burning into a pile of ash which is nuts to me because that means that these stories, which I'll get to later, where the people have actually become nothing but ash, they had to have been so hot for such a length of time because it's not- in crematoriums, bodies are burned for quite a long length of time. It's not just like you heat- you know, you throw fire at it for a minute and it's gone. It's like hours of cremating a body. So these people in these stories would have had to have been on fire for a huge amount of time. And just keep that in mind when we go through because it just makes everything weirder. In 1938, L.A. Perry wrote an article citing an 1823 published book titled Medical Jurisprudence that gave commonalities among cases of spontaneous human combustion. The characteristics that were noted are as followed. And here is a quote. The victims are chronic alcoholics. They're usually elderly females. The body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. The hands and feet usually fall off. The fire has caused very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body. The combustion of the body has left a residue of greasy and fetid ashes, very offensive in odor. In the Victorian era, it was believed that spontaneous human combustion was a result of alcoholism, and to this day, some people still believe that this is a major factor in spontaneous human combustion. Usually, spontaneous human combustion is seen with these circumstances now. The victim does not move when the fire starts, which is super weird because someone on fire, you would expect them to move or freak out. But anyway, a sweet, smoky smell... <laughs> Say that five times fast. A sweet, smoky smell accompanies the incident. 
The victim is consumed by flame until nothing remains except the legs below the knees, which remain untouched to the point where, in all cases, they still have clothes on, and often the skull remains intact. There's usually no sign of damage to the immediate surroundings of the victim apart from possibly melting plastics and a greasy residue that forms on furniture, walls, the ceiling, and the room around them. Flames from the SHC victims are described as being blue in color from the few cases where there were witnesses. A very high proportion of those who succumb to spontaneous human combustion are obese or have low mobility or poor health, which suggests that once they catch fire, they're unable to move. Um, this is a continued mystery, though, because it seems that victims of SHC never move after the fire begins, and if they did move, they would spread the fire. It, it seems like most of the time they're just relaxing, sitting in a chair when they catch fire, and that's it. it, it they just are on fire. Over the past 300 years, that there have been over 200 reported cases of spontaneous human combustion. And now, I am going to go have some Chinese food, and I will be back to talk about the science aspect. Alright, I've had Chinese food, I'm back. The Chinese food was good. Uh, they did not have shrimp at the Chinese place that I went to. They were all sold out of all shrimp products, so didn't get um, shrimp and vegetables like I hoped, but that's okay. We're back again, and this time we are talking about the science of spontaneous human combustion. It's been like an hour for me, it's probably been no time at all for you, so... Well, it has been. It's a podcast. Duh, it's been no time for you. Anyway, let's get started with science. A two-year research project starting in 1984 and conducted by Joe Nickel, a science investigator, and John F. Fisher, a forensic analyst, a forensic analysis, an analyst, forensic analyst. <laughs> they studied 30 historical SHC cases and published a lengthy two-part report in the Journal of the International Association of Arson Investigators. The two guests lectured at universities and even appeared on TV shows to talk about their research into the subject matter. They found in their investigation into cases from the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries that often omitted was that the bodies that it burned were close to possible sources of ignition, like fireplaces, candles, etc., but were excluded basically to make a better story about spontaneous human combustion. They also found most victims were intoxicated, which could account for being more careless around ignition and less reactive. They also attributed a lot to the wick effect, which we'll get back to in not too long. The men proposed that nearby objects tend to remain undamaged as fire tends to burn upwards and only burns laterally with some difficulty. Combined with the wick effect, nearby objects wouldn't be harmed as it's like us being close to a campfire. Warm, but we don't instantly ignite. They did warn about creating a simple explanation for all unusual burning deaths, though, as each needs to be investigated individually and apart from others, there is no way to blanket say that this is exactly what happens in every SHC case. A study conducted by Andy M. Christensen at the University of Tennessee in 2002 found that when human tissue is burned, the flame that is produced throws only a small amount of heat, which could account for the undamaged items around burned bodies. 
The most popular explanation for spontaneous human combustion, though, has been the wick effect. Very basically, it's when the clothing of a victim soaks up their melted human fat, and that acts like a wick of a candle. This keeps the person aflame because their own fats after being ignited. There's a constant form of fuel being the victim's fats that continuously seep into their clothing. That was a really jumbled way of saying that they're leaking fat and the fat's on fire and it just keeps leaking into the clothing, which just keeps being on fire. With the wick effect, it's assumed that ignition can start from something as simple as a cigarette charring clothing and splitting open the victim's skin, which would begin the process. This explains things such as the residue that collects in victim's room, as moisture from the body that evaporates recondenses nearby. It is assumed likely hands and feet don't burn as they have the least amount of fat. An experiment was conducted in 1998 that was broadcast on the program QED on BBC. It showed a dead pig's body wrapped up in a blanket and then set on fire using a small amount of petrol. It was found the body took some time to ignite, but when it did, it burned at a very high temperature with low temperature flames melting a nearby television but leaving the rest of the room undamaged. After a few hours, the body was extinguished and investigated. The flesh and bones in the burnt portion were destroyed. It did leave behind the pig's feet. Some other explanations. Brian J. Ford has suggested ketosis from low-carb dieting or alcoholism could produce acetone, which is highly flammable, and could lead to SHC. This is the most scientific explanation. Lawrence Afrin, medical doctor, a mast cell researcher, proposes mast cell activation syndrome, MCAS, may be the cause for SHC. From my understanding, and I am not a science expert at all. This is just what I have gathered from my reading and research is MCAS is when mast cells inappropriately release chemical mediators in excess. Once Lawrence Afrin reported that a man appeared to smoke to witnesses because of this condition. And there's absolutely no way I can paraphrase this, as I, if I paraphrase it, I'm afraid that I'm going to uh, mess up what it says. So I'm going to read this quote directly from Wikipedia. Quote, In MCAS, mast cells spontaneously release over 200 inflammatory molecules known as mediators, including the substance noradrenaline, or norapinephrine. Afrin writes that the release of large amounts of norepinephrine, or perhaps another mast cell-derived substance, could turn on a regulatory protein called UCP1 in greater than normal amounts. UCP1 causes adipose oxidization to be released as heat. Adipose tissue is a known repository of mast cells. Under the right circumstances, a sudden flood of norepinephrine released from adipose mast cells could activate the UCP1 switch and cause heat generation in excess of 90 degrees Celsius. Once the adipose tissue were ignited, it would, in theory, burn itself out, inclusive of bone marrow. So that is, that's the more scientific explanation of how that could possibly work. These cells would produce heat and basically light the body on fire. Also, if you're wondering what causes mast cell activation syndrome? I decided to Google it, and good to know there are no known causes. It seems to be inherited sometimes, but it also seems to come after stressful life events. So that's good to know. <laughs> Dr. John Emsley, a British chemist, believes SHC could be from overproduction of diphosphane, a pyrophoric liquid. If diphosphane self-combusts, which it can, it could ignite the hydrogen and methane gases in the gut. 
which could also explain why witnesses report blue flames originating from the abdomen, since methane burns with a pale blue flame. In his 1995 book Ablaze, Larry E. Arnold proposed that a new subatomic particle named pyrotron is to blame for spontaneous human combustion. He argued as well as alcohol in the bloodstream and extreme stress could trigger SHC. Joe Nickel, who we mentioned earlier, has criticized Arnold's claims, noting that this is pseudoscience based on selective evidence and ignorance. UK writer Michael Harrison suggested in his 1976 book Fire from Heaven that spontaneous human combustion could be connected to poltergeist activity. As he argues, a force that activates poltergeist activity originates in the human being. Finishing up his thought by stating, quote, SHC, fatal or non-fatal, belongs to the extensive range of poltergeist phenomenon. Lastly, John Abrahamson suggests that ball lightning could be the cause of SHC. Here is where we move on to some of the notable cases. I have five cases to go over. Um, but there is a lot more cases than this out there. These are just the ones that I chose to focus on. The first is Mary Reeser, born Mary Hardy on March 8, 1884. She is presumed to have died of SHC on July 2, 1951 at the age of 67 in St. Petersburg, Florida. At around 8 o'clock in the morning of July 2nd, Pansy Carpenter, Reeser's landlady, arrived at Reeser's door with a telegram. When she tried the metal doorknob, she found it was uncomfortably warm to the touch, and so she phoned the police. When police arrived, they entered the home to find Reeser's remains in an armchair where she had been sitting. Her body was ash, and all that remained was her skull, which appeared to have shrunken in the fire, and her backbone, and a part of her left foot, which was still wearing a slipper. Her shrunken skull was reportedly the size of a teacup, which is not an unusual feature of SHC and has come up in other cases, mostly in historic cases. The room that this happened in showed very little evidence of fire, besides some plastic pieces being warped. An FBI investigation concluded that Mary had died because of the wick effect. Mary was known to use sleeping pills to fall asleep, and the police hypothesized she likely fell unconscious while smoking, and that lit her nightgown on fire. The FBI enlisted the help of Wilton M. Krogman, a physical anthropologist who had spent some time in the 30s experimenting and examining SHC. About the incident, Krogman had the following to say, quote, The head is not left complete in ordinary burning cases. Certainly, it does not shrivel or symmetrically reduced to a smaller size. In presence of heat sufficient to destroy soft tissues, the skull would literally explode in many pieces. I have never known any exception of this rule. He also stated, quote, I cannot conceive of such complete cremation without more burning of the apartment itself. In fact, the apartment and everything in it should have been consumed. I regard it as the most amazing thing I have ever seen. As I review it, the short hairs on my neck bristle with vague fear. Were I living in the Middle Ages, I'd mutter something about black magic. In conclusion, Krogman believed the only way this was possible was Mary Reeser was murdered at a different location by somebody who had access to a crematorium-type equipment and brought back her charred body to her apartment. The murderer then used some sort of heat-generating object to make the plastic pieces melt and the doorknob hot. The shrunken skull and what really happened to Mary Reeser will forever be a mystery. There's been no explanation for why her sh- her skull had been found shrunken, and we'll never really know if it was spontaneous human combustion or if possibly she was murdered elsewhere by someone. The next case is of Margaret Hogan. Margaret Hogan was an 89-year-old widow living on her own in a house on Prussia Street, Dublin, Ireland. On March 28, 1970, Margaret was found in ashes burned into her armchair. 
All that remained of Margaret was her two legs below the knee and her feet, which were undamaged. The surroundings around her were relatively untouched, apart from plastic flowers on a table that had melted and the screen of her television, which sat about twelve feet away and had also melted. After an inquest, her death was ruled burning, but the cause of the fire continues to remain unknown. Henry Thomas, and no, not the SARVT Henry Thomas, a different Henry Thomas, passed away at the age of 73 in the living room of his council house on the Rasso estate in Evvale, South Wales. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, because it's E-B-B-W, and I should have probably looked it up, but it's like Evvale, Evvale, South Wales. His body was found incinerated on the chair he had been sitting on, half of which had also been destroyed in the fire. All that remained of Henry was his feet and legs below the knee, still adorning his socks and trousers. As well, his skull remained. During investigation, it was suggested perhaps Mr. Thomas's hair had caught on fire before he sat back down in his armchair. This is disputed, though, as it was concluded that if this were the case, he would have made attempts to put the fire out. It was determined, overall, that Henry's death was caused by the wick effect. Next is Jenny Safin. There's often a lot of confusion with this case. Some sources say that Jenny Safin passed away as recently as 2007. Some say she survived spontaneous human combustion. But uh, I did a lot of research on this, and I found that this is most likely the case of what happened. Jenny Safin was born on March 20th, 1921 in Edmonton, London, UK. She was born with mental handicaps that, quote, reduced her abilities to those of a child. Specifically, she was said to have the mental capacity of a six-year-old. On September 15, 1982, Jenny was at her family home in Edmonton with her father, Jack Safin, and brother-in-law, Don Carroll. Jenny and Jack were in the kitchen, where Jack describes looking away, looking back, and Jenny was suddenly on fire, though she remained sitting calmly with her hands in her lap. Dawn saw Jenny open her mouth and described flames coming from her stomach and mouth and that she roared like a dragon, quote. According to medical records released afterwards, her mouth was undamaged. Using water, Jack and Dawn managed to put out the fire. Paramedics rushed Jenny to the North Middlesex Hospital, where she was transferred to the burn unit at Mount Vernon Hospital. She was treated there until she passed away after eight days on the 23rd of September 1982. Her death was ruled as being caused by bronchopneumonia due to the burns. Relatives state that there is no source of ignition in the kitchen aside from the pilot light of the stove. Some theorists suggest that Jack Safin, who smoked a pipe, may have knocked out used tobacco and an ember could have gotten on Jenny's clothing, which was nylon and would have caught fire easily. During investigation, though, there was no damage to the kitchen and it appeared only Jenny suffered from the fire. There was even newspapers on the floor mere feet from Jenny, and those didn't suffer any damage. They didn't light on fire, nothing. The cause for this fire continues to remain a mystery, and even the most recent accounts from relatives of Jenny say that they believe this was spontaneous humid combustion. Last is the most recent recorded case of SHC. Michael Faherty passed away at 76 years old in December 2010 in his home at Clareview Park, Ballybay in Ireland. Michael was found laying on his back with severe burns, with his head near an open fireplace. The only damage to the room was burn marks on the ceiling above him and on the floor beneath him. The fireplace is determined to not have been a link to to not have been linked to his death. This is the only case we have so far where the coroner recorded the actual cause of death as spontaneous human combustion. Dr. Sarian McLaughlin, 
said of the determination of death, quote, This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. He went on to add that in the 25 years of his job, he had never encountered a case like this. So there we go. Spontaneous human combustion is weird. Um, there is actually, there's a, quite a lot of cases on it, but I decided instead of overwhelming with a ton, I would pick these few that are pretty, uh, pretty famous cases of it. In one case, though, a man was watching, not Twilight, what is it, Twilight Zone, and mentioned how, why didn't weird stuff happen to him, like spontaneous combustion, and then literally the next day, he suffered from SHC. And it seems like in a lot of cases, people who, like, talk about it or are looking into it die of SHC relatively soon after. So, um, whatever causes SHC, uh, I don't want it. My life is exciting enough. I'm good. <laughs> please, please stay away. <laughs> if it's poltergeist, I don't want it. I'm good with my Felix the ghost cat. I hope you enjoyed my episode. If you have any comments, or if you have your own spooky story, it could be true crime, it could be aliens, it could be ghosts, it could be anything weird and unusual, please send your story to telegnosisnt at gmail.com where I will read your story and you could be featured on a future episode, a future listener's episode. As well, follow us on, on the Twitter, our name, username, I forget what it's called. There is some sort of fancy name, but whatever. Anyway, our, you'll find us. It's Telegnosis and Teapod. Uh, it's at Telegnosis Pod. And we're also on Instagram, where you can see photographs in both places from this episode, though they will be graphic, and they're definitely not for everyone. So be advised, if you do go looking for them, we do have them on our Instagram as well. That's at Telegnosis and Tea. And thank you guys for listening. I hope you have an amazing week. And I will be back with another spooky tale soon. Bye.